1: Welcome to Otherworld. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. This story was sent in by a guy named Andrew, who told me that he works with a woman, a very normal and ordinary woman that recently told him a very abnormal story. If I've learned one thing in the process of making Otherworld, is that you truly have no idea what the people around you have experienced. Even people you think you know really, really well, a lot of them have things that they've kept inside their entire lives. Sometimes, after an episode of the show comes out, close friends of mine and even family have hit me up saying that they've experienced something similar to what they've heard in the podcast. And sometimes, the stories they told me are very, very intense. And these are people that I thought I knew very well, telling me things that they've probably not told anybody and probably would not have told me if I didn't start hosting this show the person telling this story is a very normal person. And I thought she had this one abnormal experience. But as I ended up talking to her, I learned that she actually had quite a few. And maybe some of those experiences are connected. This happens a lot in the course of making this show, which is why it's good that I always ask extra questions. This is episode 53. The title is The Children in White. And you're listening to Otherworld.
2: Hello? Is this
1: Bobby? Yes, it is. At, at its core, the science, you can't argue with. It felt I'm late. worried about All the
0: science. Mm-hmm. Up in the sky.
1: It's almost frustrating that it's happening. Yes, I'm going to die. It just, it's okay, limbs were just like wrong. Just, just
0: Everybody moves back into the
3: light, even if it takes them a minute.
1: Hello. Hey, it's Andrew. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going all right. How are you? I'm good. So, I wanted to, I wanted to hear about the story you sent in. <laughs> how did you How did you hear about this one?
3: Yeah, so I've worked with SK for I don't know five or six years now, and she's just a very normal, down to earth person. Um, she's you know a great uh, great coworker to have. Very you know very kind person. I don't know, she's just a a a very um very ordinary person, I guess. Um so yeah, when I heard the story, I thought, okay, this is this is a different side to SK than I've ever uh than I've ever experienced. We just one day were kind of chatting in the office, sharing, you know, weird and and spooky stories. And uh previously our office had been in, I guess you could call it a haunted <laughs> haunted office space. So that was uh I think before SK's time. And so I was kind of sharing some of the the weird things that had happened in that building. And I think we were just kind of chatting. And then uh, she started telling me uh, this uh, story. I think she said, you know, have I ever told you my time travel story? I said, no. Uh, <laughs> and uh yeah, the, so the story kind of stuck with me because I used to live east of Indianapolis. So a lot of the, the area that she was describing in that story, I used to drive... Uh, back and forth to work. Yeah, I had been listening to Otherworld for, um, I don't know, the past few months. And um, as I I was listening, SK's story just, you know, popped in my head as, you know, this would be a perfect fit, I felt like, for this show. Because most of the guests, you know, it's, um, no one seems, you know, no one seems completely off their rocker. No one, you know, all, all of the people who I've, I've heard on various interviews feel very, you know, feel very down to earth. The stories feel very believable. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's very much the same impression I had when
1: SK told me her story. Okay, well, I'm excited to talk to her.
3: Yeah, no, it's a good one. It's got a, I feel like it's one of those stories that has a little bit of everything. So
1: <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me and thanks for sending this one in.
3: Yeah, no problem
0: i'm sk and i am from indianapolis indiana um i've lived in indiana most of my life but also spent a few years i was born in arizona and and lived there until i was around six indiana is just i I love it and i hate it at the same time um I love that I was able to buy a house here before the pandemic. The cost of living here is not insane, and the people are generally pretty nice. Just like that Midwestern hospitality of everyone kind of talking to each other. A lot of Indiana is just kind of forgotten about Midwestern cornfield, particularly where I grew up. Um, Richmond, Indiana is that way as well. Um, I'm an art director at an, adver- at an uh, advertising agency. I guess the paranormal doesn't fit into my life at all. The only way that the paranormal could maybe figure into that is that I'm a little bit more open-minded and imaginative about um, concepts that I come up with um, if I'm able to be more creative within client, Yeah, so I grew up in a family that um, kind of had an open mind. They weren't by any means, like, you know, hippie or... Um, New Age kind of people necessarily, but um, I know that my great grandmother um, was Irish, and she had um, done a lot of like little ritualistic things when she was pregnant with my great grandfather to kind of ensure that he would live through <laughs> infancy and all these different things that people were worried about back in you know 1920 something. Um, so I think maybe the the kind of interest in the paranormal or like the interest in things that are not of this world that we understand kind of came from that side of the family. So when I was a little girl, I had some things happen to me or I, I saw some things or felt things. And I always felt comfortable being able to talk to my mom or my grandmother or my aunt about it. They never seemed to tell me that what ha- what I thought happened didn't happen. They They were very supportive of it, but they were also like I don't know what that is or, you know, try not to be scared of that. One of the first things I remember is the first house that we moved into when we moved back from Arizona. I had gotten incredibly sick with uh, pneumonia. I was in the hospital for a little while and then when I came back home, I was basically just doing a lot of sleeping. That is when I started to have this woman um, visit me. At night when I was sleeping or or in bed, um, I'd wake up and my light would be turned on in my room and there would be a woman sitting on my bed and she looked, you know, middle aged to me. I didn't think she looked super old, but I just knew that she was older than my mom, um, but she felt very relaxing and like comforting and... It wasn't a scary thing at all. Um, even though I'm waking up and seeing this person, and it it wasn't like she was fully physically there either. It was a little transparent. Uh, I could see a little through her. It was almost like a what you would see like a projection now of someone. Um, there's just like a little bit of light coming through her, um, and she would sit on my bed and you know kind of pet my head. Um, hold my hand and that happened a couple different nights during that time and I had talked to my mom about it and the first night I think I said something like a lady came to visit me and she was like oh sure um okay honey well you know just tell her tell her to leave you alone if you don't want her there and then I think one on one of the last nights I remember she had come and, and had my light on and was sitting on my bed Uh, and soothing me by, like, stroking my hair. She's sitting on the bed with me. She gets up. She starts to walk towards the door, but she's doing it backing away, still looking at me and kind of giving me a little wave. And she's getting more and more transparent as she moves. And she goes into my parents' room, and then I don't see her. And I got up. I remember getting up and running into my parents' room to, like, follow after her. And I couldn't find her anywhere. So I ran to the window and opened up my parents' blind, like, just, like, opened up, and I saw her outside in the, like, there's, like, a driveway, but then there was a, na- the neighbor's house had, like, a little hill, and she was standing on the hill and waving, and then she completely disappeared. And then I never saw her again. Um, but I also got better. I was better. So I think that was when my parents woke up and they were like, why are you in my room? (laughs) Get out of here go back to bed. And I said, well, I was following the lady and my mom, I remember my mom getting up and looking with me through the window, but she was gone at that point. And she took me back to bed and I I kind of explained, you know, there's that same lady that's been coming to visit me. My my mom brought it up with my grandmother. We were, I don't know how it came up, but we, we were talking about it. And she asked me more questions about this person and, Um, I explained her physical appearance and I mean, I remembered her, I still remember exactly what she looks like in my head. Um, And my grandmother just got a weird look and she was like, was there anything else on the dress um, or was it just plain? And I I said, no, there was some flowers up on the chest and then um, down by the hem of the dress and explained that the way I explained them, I guess, Sounded like embroidery to her. I didn't understand the concept of embroidery necessarily at that point. Um, And then that's when she kind of got a weird look on her face and said, I think you met my mom. And uh, her mother had died in 1940 when my grandmother was 15. She had had um, a tooth infection and went to bring a friend, some soup, knowing this friend had gotten sick and they hadn't put out a quarantine. They used to put quarantine signs out in front of homes in 1940s um, to be like, don't come here. This this is a house that's sick. And she went in and everyone in the house had typhoid and she got typhoid. And um, I think because that combined with the fact that her she already had an infection in her mouth, um, she died within like a week. So she was. She was just pretty much like, "Yeah, I bet that was, I bet that was my mom coming to see you, Grandma Mary." She's like, "If she comes back again, just call her Grandma Mary." It made me feel, uh, just like, "Okay, cool. Now I got, I get to hang out with my family that I don't even get to meet. Cool, I get to hang out with my my grandma's mom. I, I was very close with my grandmother, so to me, it was just like, awesome." Another time, when I got to high school. Um, there wasn't really a lot of places to go shopping in Richmond. And um, one of the things my mom and I would do, um, especially like freshman, I think this may have been like my freshman year of high school, we would drive over to Ohio, um, to Fairfield, Ohio, to go shopping at the mall there because I had way more stores and um, I could get like the cool popular kid things that kids were wearing back then. I think it was probably one Saturday morning we were just getting ready to go And uh, I had taken a shower, I put my robe on, was getting ready to go into my room to get ready, where I did my hair and makeup and my mom had just gotten into the um, shower after me. I had to walk past my guest room to go into my bedroom. Um, The guest room is being used as um, a piano room or like a music room. Um, We did have a bed in there, but it was um, coming out from the window um, in the room. And when I walked past that room, I just happened to look in. I don't know why I would just look that way, but I did. And um, the room was completely different. It was dark in there. We usually had those blinds open. Um, The blinds were drawn. There was uh, curtains on the wall. Uh, The room was painted a, like, uh, mustardy marigold yellow. And there was a bed that was... There, that was coming out from a wall that was not the wall that we kept the bed on, and there was a man in the bed, um, and he was looking over at me, um, and he was hooked. There was like machines around him. There, they one looked like an IV, and I'm not sure what the other things were, but there were just sounds coming from that room, um, and he had a mask on, um, one of those like oxygen masks too and on the bed with him was a miniature schnauzer um that was like a black and gray color um and the dog also kind of looked up at me but i immediately got as i as i looked at this man i immediately felt this like overwhelming sense of sadness and um confusion and um loss and um like also scared Um, And I just immediately just within, I mean, this is probably within the span of 30 seconds of seeing this and kind of just stopping and realizing, what is that I'm looking at? And then having this feeling. And I just started crying and just like an intense breakdown, bawling my eyes out, cry. And my mom came out of the shower, you know, wrapped a robe around her, ran over to me and was like, what is wrong, S.K.? she's like, why are you crying? What's going on? And I said, I, there's a man in that room and he's so sad, mom. He doesn't know why he's here. He doesn't know what's going on. He's so sad. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I said, he's gone now. I don't know. I said, I just feel so sad. And we, uh, she gathered me and we went into my room and sat on the bed and I like, I couldn't stop crying. And, um, I think we ended up just like canceling the trip that day because um I was just really distraught like and really upset about it. I think maybe my that was I don't know if it was the same day or a day after but my mom knew a lot of the neighbors that um were in the neighborhood because they hadn't left their homes since they bought the homes in the 50s so she went and talked with a couple of them and just kind of asked, you know, about the the fa- the family that lived there before. They had bought the house the neighbors told my mom that he had died, uh, in the room, in that exact room, in the house, and, uh, he had been sick. And, that uh, yeah, he was on oxygen in the house and, um, they had kind of like made it a little hospice room for him. They did actually have a, sh- a miniature schna- schnauzer. When I had seen the dog, I, I think I left that part out. Um, I had told my mom that I knew that the dog's name was Pepper and um and uh when my mom talked about or asked about a dog uh the neighbors said that yeah he had a they had a dog named Pepper that was a little schnauzer um uh, black and black and um gray so I think I just kind of got to meet my neighbor or meet the man who used to live in my house. Um, Again, it was just like, I felt so bad for him. It was, it wasn't being scared. It, it was just feeling so sorry for him.
1: Okay. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. I used to be really bad at keeping track of my finances A very stupid part of me believed that if I just don't look at my bank accounts and my credit card statements, the money will all still be there, even if I spent it on stupid stuff that month. Well, that's not how it works. I learned the hard way. It's quite the opposite. Usually, when I finally did look, I'd notice that there was some subscription I'd been paying for that I forgot to cancel or I got overcharged for something and it's too late to fix. But now I use Rocket Money to keep track of all of that for me so I don't have to worry. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you could grow your savings. Rocket Money finds all of your bills and subscriptions for you, lays them out, and gives you the option to cancel them automatically, or it can negotiate a lower price for you. I recently tested this out on my internet bill, and they were able to negotiate a lower price for me. I saved like $300 doing this. If you're like me and you get scared checking your accounts, Rocket Money might be your savior. It's nice having everything in one place and under control. I promise you're going to be very happy once you finally do it. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash otherworld. That's rocketmoney.com slash otherworld.
3: Hi, this is Amy Poehler here to tell you about a new improvised show from Paper Kite Podcasts. The team that brought you Say More with Dr. Sheila check out our new parody podcast Women Talking About Murder. It's a show about women talking about murder. Every episode features special guests, twists, turns, and the mystery of a missing co-host. Available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The, like, paranormal kind of never left um until you know I I, like I said I got I got so scared there was some point in high school where something actually touched me in my bed and like moved my covers away from me and it was not a good feeling it was very negative and it like I was screaming and no one could hear me and I was trying to push it away from me and no one could hear me and then um finally at some point it must have like, let go. And then my mom did hear me, came running in, and grabbed me. My dad was on one of his trips, so he was gone. She grabbed me, brought me into the bedroom with her, um, and was holding me and stroking my hair and being like, It's okay, it's okay. Why are you so scared? I was like, Something touched me, something touched me. I was laying there and I was hearing these whispers around the room. And I couldn't like make out what they were saying, but it sounded like multiple people talking and having a conversation. And it was kind of like a like that kind of sound. And my mom is in my ear and she goes, honey, do you hear people talking? And I go, yes. She goes, I can't make out what they're saying. So she was hearing them too. And she's brought it up to me multiple times since, like how weird it was that night that we just couldn't, I mean, like the amount of whispering that was going on in the room around us. Um, so I've like had that happen to me, and then I got to the point where I was like, I don't, this isn't real. I don't want to, li- don't want this to have hap- happened to me anymore. I, I had tried to block a lot of things, like I said, I'd gotten to the point where I felt I was able to go to bed at night after that thing touched me, which was so scary and the sounds of the whispers, like I couldn't, I was so scared to hear those sounds again, the whispers, um, that like I ended up starting to sleep with a fan on in my room or some kind of white noise and I still sleep with white noise. It's a weird kind of reaction to, I guess, whatever was going on, but I I don't really have weird things happen anymore. So Um, the only thing that was really weird that happened more recently is what happened in college. I know it sounds insane, but... um, it seems to be just something that I've had to deal with on and off. And unfortunately, like, I've lost my grandmother, and she was my best friend, and um, she's not come to see me or anything. I just, it's like, if if it was, if this was something that, like, I could control, I wish I, wish I could just see her or, like, see some people that I'd like to see. But I don't get that. And... It, like I said, I haven't had anything happen in, aside from this one thing event that we're gonna talk about. in uh, the early 2000s I was uh, I was in college at a commuter school in Indianapolis. Um, uh, there wasn't really a lot to do back in Indy then. Uh, I lived downtown. Um, downtown was basically dead on the weekends. Um, this probably was like 2005 maybe 2006. So uh, one of the friends I met was this guy who always up for doing something weird and fun. And he always had like, I, he had this like personality that no matter what you did with him, it was always going to be a weird and fun time. Um, so he called me up and, and asked if I wanted to go on one of our country drive adventures. And so we jumped into his uh, huge truck. He had a Ford F-150 Um, It was, I had to like really hoist myself up into it and I'm like five, eight and a half, so I'm not short or anything. We got in the truck and went for, uh, to get big gulps of uh, soda and uh, set off into the country. Um, We probably were headed east on US 40 um, and we were just like, driving around the cornfields and soy fields and listening to music and kind of catching up. Um, You know, you'd see houses occasionally or farms, but nothing too interesting. But just as dusk was starting to settle in, we spotted this large brick building a couple stories high that was set back um, from the road down a long gravel driveway. Um, It had a fountain in front of the building and then like a roundabout Um, we thought that building looked, uh, pretty cool and it, it looked, um, we didn't see any cars around it. So we thought maybe it was just, um, a school or a business or maybe it was abandoned. We wasn't, we weren't entirely sure, um, but it didn't look like a home. So, uh, as we approached the building, I was, uh, thinking it looked, you know, like this old, cool building, but I uh, was surprised by how well the architecture had held up because um, it looked like it had been freshly built. Um, but the, like I said, the architecture looked like it was one of these, you know, 100-year-old public works buildings. Um, so I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe someone just wanted to build something, you know, to look vintage, which is something I absolutely would do. And one thing to note is uh, before we came upon this building and after, we didn't see any cars on the road. And the only thing that we saw in the, uh, there weren't any cars in the, where this building was, like not no cars parked or anything, but there was a swing set and um, some metal push cars, like to, for kids to play with. But um, they looked like vintage ones, but new. Um, so like the paint job, like they had gotten restored or something. So like the paint job was like really nice on these and bright. Um, and uh, as we neared the, uh, we got closer to the fountain, uh, to go around the little circular part of the drive by the steps, um, up to the, uh, there were steps up to the building, um, right there that came down into, like, the, the gravel. And as we got around the fountain, um, the doors to the building opened and a group of young children came running out and we thought that was weird like why are there children here and no cars and why are they all kind of like filing out of this building alone um that's weird on its own but the first thing that we that i noticed is why they were all wearing um like white nightgowns but like perfectly pristine white no stains on them um white nightgowns little short sleeve high collar nightgowns that went down to, depending on how tall they were, different lengths of below their knee. I would guess that they were all between the ages of like six and 12. And there was maybe like eight or nine of them. And another thing that was kind of weird about the kids was uh, the boys all had short hair, which is not weird, but um, the girls all had varying lengths of bobbed hair, some with bangs and some without, Um, like looked alike, but didn't look alike. I mean, they weren't maybe one or two of them could have been relatives but for the most part it just looked like a bunch of kids that you would just see coming out of a school and but not dressed in nightgowns normally um they were all barefoot too they started to encircle the the truck and um the truck was still on and we were still trying to move around the circle but you know of course now there's children all around the truck and so my friend is um you know not trying to run over children so he's like got the car on, but he's got the brake on. Um, and all of these kids start touching the truck and like looking completely awestruck. And, um, they just kind of were saying like, wow, who are you to us? And we're just like, not sure what to do. I mean, I just a bunch of kids. Um, we're not like kid people necessarily. Um, I thought that, like, maybe an adult was going to come out of the building to see what the kids were doing with these strangers. Um, But we were just alone with this gang of white nightgown-clad children at sunset, and it was really weird. (laughs) Um, I had a super weird feeling about it. Like, I immediately felt uncomfortable I, I just was like, I don't like these kids. Like, not that they were doing anything wrong. It just, they just didn't feel. It felt weird, and it was just mostly their reaction to the truck and just kind of the way that they would. They were all like pawing at it. Um, the kids just kept touching the truck and just being like, "Wow, this is what is this?" And just not. No one. I didn't hear like any of them say "cool" or you know "awesome" or. Um, they were just all just kind of communicating with each other about like, what is this? Who are these people? Kind of a thing. And asking us who we were and just being like, we're just driving around. I didn't feel comfortable like with us being with them alone. And uh, my friend and I like exchanged looks in the car. That was kind of like, what the fuck is this? What's going on? Like, who are these kids? We both started to tell the kids to back away from the truck Uh and but they you know had their little hands all over the truck touching it and just like yelling questions at us um and uh after a little hesitation and we continued telling the kids to back away get away get away the kids did move back um and we took off down that gravel uh drive and back out onto the road after we sped out of the driveway with the children kind of behind us some of them were waving if i remember correctly um of course i'm looking behind me in the truck being like what in the world um hoping that these kids aren't going to get hit by the car as we're leaving um, they uh so we pull out onto the road and we start just driving and we were both trying to process, out, process what was what what it was we just saw and what was just happening? Was that a was that a boarding school? Um, was it an orphanage? Why were they all wearing those weird nightgowns and had all the same haircuts pretty much? And then we were like, wait, did we just find like a weird religious cult out in the country? Um, like, do we need to help these kids? Are they in a cult? <laughs> like, it was kind of just like a panic. Like, do we call someone? What should we do? Um, and... I was thinking it was, you know, maybe we need to call 911. Maybe they're in a cult and we need to save them or something. Um, but just as we were kind of discussing this, uh, we were driving past a cornfield, um, obviously, because it's Indiana, and a sound that felt like an electric whooshing kind of surrounded us, and it, it was incredibly loud. Um, and that was weird on its own, but then a purple light appeared in the to cover the entirety of the cornfield and the road. It wasn't like a bright purple. It was like a very dimmed purple, but you could, it was just taking the whole field. So it almost felt like a haze of purple. It was just in the cornfield and like through our windows, through the road, like it was just, everything turned to purple. Our hands looked purple. Like, you know, when you're looking at, the light was affecting everything. And the appearance of that light and that sound, um, it my, is probably what made my friend pull the car over. But I remember us pulling over to the side of the road and just kind of like looking through the windshield and through the windows and just kind of being like, where is that coming from, that sound? And where's that light coming from? Um The sound was kind of like this weird, I can try to do it. It's like a it was like pulsating. We probably sat there for about a minute looking at the cornfield and kind of observing and then the light and the sound just stopped um, and everything went back to normal. I, the, it felt heavy when it was there. Like it just felt like being in the space just felt heavy and electric. Um, When it went away, it was like, I could actually start to like feel I, I felt calm with the heavy and the electric sound, even though it was weird. Um, when it went away, my anxiety like kicked in. We I remember we looked at each other and were kind of basically saying different forms of like, what the fuck? Or like what the heck was that? Like what what was that sound? What was that light? Um what just happened? And I think uh we were both kind of just like pretty spooked after all of that, and we just ended up calling it a night. I vaguely remember Um, getting home and just being like, it's fine, just go to bed. (laughs) Like, whatever, watch a movie, don't think about it. And um, the next day, I think he and I talked about it a little bit and we probably hung out with one of our other friends and kind of told them about it and um, that we didn't understand what we had seen. And I kind of wondered if I should do something about the kids. But at the same time, I was like, well, it seemed like they were happy. So I'm not going to like, I don't know what to do. I just felt really weird about everything. Um, after that, I, I, I know we talked about it with a friend of ours. Um, and I probably talked about it with my best friend, who's still my best friend. I kind of just let it go then because I just didn't want to think about it after that. I thought I was just kind of sharing a weird hallucination with a friend. <laughs> At that point, I was just like, I don't know. That's just super weird. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to think about it. And I think, you know, I'd also like gone... School started back up, and things had gotten pretty intense because that, that would have been going probably into our junior year or, or senior year. It was probably like a year um, or two later, my mom's uh, cousin had put together a cookbook of family recipes from my mom's side of the family and gave everyone a copy of that at Thanksgiving. And inside the book, um, one of the first few pages, was a photo of uh, my cousin's mother And my grandmother as children in the late 1920s, um, they were sisters. Uh, Both girls um, in the photo had bobbed haircuts and were wearing white nightgowns exactly like what I saw the children wearing that night. And I don't have a good explanation for that, but thinking back on that night, um, like that's the first thing I thought about when I saw the photo of my my family, um, in those out in those little dresses, um, with the haircut and thinking about back on that night, there was no cards, cars at the building. Um, the kids were so confused and, by the truck and they were completely in awe and wonder, um, touching the truck. Um, their nightgowns, the hair, um, the fact that this old style building looked new, um, I started to wonder if there was some correlation to time. Every few years, I take a drive out that way to try to find that building, and I've yet to find it. After seeing the photo of my grandma and my great-aunt, I started looking into orphanages in the area, past and present, and I can't seem to find anything that makes sense with the location or the match that matched the building. At one point, I had uh, basically written off this experience as kind of just being a weird like me making it into more than what it was. Like it was just, it was probably a normal thing that happens. Like it just, we just randomly trespassed on this building and all these kids were living there and that's fine. And yeah, they were weird, but it's okay. And you know, the light thing that happened, maybe it was just some kind of farm, weird farm equipment, or I don't know, or maybe, you know, I'm making it into more of a thing than it is. And, uh, I don't have a relationship with the friend who was with me that night anymore. Um, you know, as we go older, people change and grow apart as you age, and that's pretty normal. Um, however, we did briefly connect a few years ago through social media. And the first thing I did when we reconnected was ask if he remembered the night we took a drive and found a building. And I kept it vague intentionally to see if he had had any memory of it and if it would match anything I remembered. His response was something like, of course, we saw that light and heard that noise in the cornfield. He's like, and then those kids in the nightgowns were super weird. That just confirmed that I wasn't alone in seeing what I saw. I still don't know quite what to make of it all, but at least I know I didn't hallucinate it. Yeah. So I don't again, like I don't know for sure what what it was, but I mean, the only kind of thing I could think of is I, I think it's been um it's been more in my mind as um we've been getting all of the Photos released of space, and um, the scientists have been coming out and being like, we don't understand time. Uh, Time is so much different than what we think, and we have no way to comprehend it, and it's not linear. And I think since that has all kind of come out, I've started to just like wonder if maybe it was just a linear slip in time, like a non-linear, like just a little gap, and we saw something we weren't supposed to see. Or went somewhere we weren't supposed to go. I've gone back and thought about the man in my home growing up, the one that I saw uh, sick in in my guest room, and I've also also started to question that. And and I mean, I think my initial thought growing up was like, oh, I guess I saw a ghost. I don't know, like I something weird. But now I kind of wonder if it was just a little slip in time.
2: hello
1: hey how's it going fine thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me I'm sorry I'm sorry to pester you no it's okay so you know the story I'm talking about what is your memory of that day and what happened
2: well I don't know we saw a couple strange things that day we were just um, kind of driving around I don't remember why um And one thing was uh, like a bunch of creepy kids um, outside in the middle of the night, like kind of like it was a fire drill or something, like they're just kind of standing around outside uh, in their like pajamas and stuff. Yeah, so then we saw like a, a some sort of UFO a little bit after that. Uh, But yeah, I remember like a purple and orangish light, or lights, several. And like pretty low, you know, like above us, not like out in the distance or an airplane or something. I don't recall like seeing lights at first. I I recall like everything lighting up, like seeing lights reflecting off trees and things around us. And she was pretty freaked out. So we just kind of kept going. That's my recollection of it. Um, but that's been a long time you know I mean it's close to 20 years. I know that's not the greatest story um, I mean
1: this is a plot twist to me because you alluded to UFOs and I that's not the story that was presented to me but that's what you think that's is- kind
2: of what I view what I view it as is some sort of I mean it's a thing in the sky that I don't understand. So to me that's a UFO. It was definitely very weird. The thing about S.K. is that, that, you know, was probably a reason I hung out with her so much is she she's real perceptive to things and real honest about stuff. You know, she might be more aware of what was going on than I am. <laughs> and she's not the type of person to, to um, make up stories either, you know? I, I think i liked having having her around because she would always be more aware of like what was really going on whereas i'm kind of more aloof so for what that's worth
1: Thank you to SK and everyone else for telling us these stories and helping out with the episode. You know, I didn't originally think I was going to be able to talk to that guy. SK and him had fallen out of touch, and they have not spoken since around the time that happened, which was almost 20 years ago. And she did not think I'd be able to talk to him. Eventually, we got a hold of him. He did not want to be on the podcast, but then at the last second, he agreed And that was the first time that I had even considered anything UFO-related. Now, I do not think that SK believes what happened has anything to do with that. I'm not sure if I do either, but it's just interesting to see how many ways people can interpret these mysterious things that happen. So, that brings us to the end of this episode. This has been episode 53. The title is The Children in White and you've been listening to Otherworld. Otherworld is executive produced and hosted by myself, Jack Wagner. Our theme song is by Coberman. The soundtrack of this episode is by Juice Jackal and North Americans. Editing and engineering by Theo Schaefer. Our artwork is by Cul-de-sac Studios. Production help, by Nikki Delgado and Haley Pearson. Please show us your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends. If you want to hear bonus episodes of Otherworld, you could become a patron at Patreon.com/Otherworld. Our social media is at OtherworldPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thank you to the team at Odyssey. J.D. Crowley, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Leah Reese-Dennis, Rob Mirandi, Eric Donnelly, Matt Casey, Casey Klauser, Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. Follow and listen to Otherworld now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, if you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you could send us your story at stories@otherworldpod.com.